We're getting freaky in the Tomorrow War and we're having another round with some Voyagers. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. We hope you've had a fantastic week of watching brilliant films. I know that myself and Van have, and we're going to be telling you all about it in this week's show, as always. So this is your seven-day guide to everything that's on the big screen, on the small screen, on DVD, on Blu-ray, and of course streaming. But we're going to kick off today with something a little bit freaky. <laughs> Van, I um, I remember the 1976 movie with Jodie Foster of Freaky mm. Friday. Do you remember what? <laughs> watching that as a kid i'm not saying that we're that old but i don't I've remember seen it. i don't remember watching i was aware of that one I, and i never really i think i might have caught it on tv one afternoon when i was a kid or something but it wasn't a film i ever sat down i think intentionally watched as a kid so yeah. i know freaky friday more as vice versa the fred savage one yeah which was the sort of that the sort of for the boys knockoff that they had about mid 80s it was fred savage and judge reinhold and then of course they remade freaky friday in about 2003 i want to say was it about 2003 with Lindsay lohan was it with the Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan? Lohan? Jamie Lee Curtis one, yeah. I think it was like 2003, yeah. 2004, because that's the one that made Lindsay Lohan the megastar, wasn't it? And then she yeah. gets Mean Girls and things like that. Um, and of course, into this mix, again, around the same time, we had The Hot Chick with Rob Schneider and uh, Rachel McAdams, the movie that introduced me to Rachel McAdams as the, yeah. uh, the, teenage, girl, the teenage girl that the homeless guy uh, swaps bodies with. And, yeah. Uh, you can see where it's I'm going a- with that. So I'm pass that one it's an interesting yeah i mean it's an interesting format isn't it and it's something that you can easily remake again and again and this time they're remaking it in kind of a horror stroke slasher movie but still a load of fun and i have to say i reviewed this um yesterday with julia hartley brewer on um talk radio and she was really excited about a reboot of freaky friday she said it's one of the films that she grew up watching and loving but as soon as i said horror slasher she was like no, you've just already ruined it for me. But actually, it it isn't like it isn't like to the extent that it takes itself too seriously. It's a lot of fun, which I think is a really good thing. That you've hit it right on the head, right there, because there is a an energy to it and a sort of heightened sense of fun, and it all has to do, of course, with a teenage girl who accidentally gets body swapped with the local town slasher killer, who I think is called the Blissfield Butcher. He's played by Vince Vaughn. She's played by Catherine Newton from Supernatural and Detective Pikachu. They swap bodies. How do you think this is going to go? Guys, he's here somewhere. He's wearing my body and he's wearing my face. He's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And if we don't capture him first... God knows how many people he's going to kill. Whoa. What am I wearing? I'm actually really liking this for you. Stop right there. comes to us from the same studios as Happy Death Day, which I know you and I are both really big fans of. We and had, that obviously... we had, we had a shared love, didn't we, for that? Yeah, yeah, because it was kind of one of those surprise hits. It sounded naff, you didn't know what you were going in to watch, and then actually it was a lot of fun, and so was the sequel as well. So that was a kind of take on Groundhog Day, and you can kind of see what the studios are doing, because now the next mm. thing is that they're taking on Freaky Friday. I wonder what they're going to pick next. But... Um, this for me doesn't work as well as Freaky Friday, uh, as well as um, Happy Death Day. 
What are you laughing at? I can see you I laughing. Just, when you said, what are they going to take on next? And I was just thinking, well, now they've gone, they've done a Freaky Friday, Groundhog Day, they've done Freaky Friday. What's next? Could be The Wizard with Fred Savage. About oh, the little, God. Uh, the little autistic kid who goes off in search of the Nintendo yeah. Video Game Championship. It's going to be like that. But the yeah. Blumhouse horror version. <laughs> Maybe he hacks people up, kills them with console parts. I, I mean, know. yeah, turning this on its head. It's, it's a good concept, isn't it? To kind of take these, these much-loved um, original yeah. films and, and turn that format into to something very different and new which is exactly what horror needs to do it needs to keep reinventing itself to keep it fresh and that's what this film i think does really well it just is a little bit um what's the word i'm trying to think it just plays it a little bit safe for me and a little bit overly camping away from vince vaughn <laughs> a little bit the thing is as well i mean first of all vince vaughn's exactly as much fun as you'd imagine but i actually think it yeah. gets overshadowed by Catherine newton as the, the serial killer because she's having a blast mm. and she quite clearly is a good maybe like five years away from being an actual potential star like a sort yeah. of anna faris type uh, the thing that i have the problem i have with this film is whereas happy death day earned its comedic tone as yeah. it went on this film pretty much begins with that tone in place, and as a result, it does feel unearned. Mm. As, as, as such, it sort of feels directly comparable to Happy Death Day to you, you know, which yes. is fine. It's not a bad movie. It's not great or anything. It just, it lacks the surprise. Yeah, yeah it lacks the surprise of the, of the first yeah. one. Um, I'm on with you. Watch it once. Yeah, it, you know. but do you know what? One thing I will applaud it for, and because my hubby basically watched the beginning of this with me, is that the mm -hmm. opening sequence of this is very yeah. gory. It really <laughs> is. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. And so he turned around to me and said, what am I watching? Because he hates horror. Absolutely hates horror. And I just said, just stick with it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And he's like, are you deranged? Like, is this actually going to be fun? And actually, I was right. It was total fun. Oh, totally, totally. But so that's that's in cinemas from today, freaky. Um, and I say, if you if you want to complete the sort of Blumhouse adjacent Universal set, uh, you know, collections, well, the set of films they've they've done, uh, you've got to see freaky. And also, if you're a, you're a Happy Death Day fan, but on streaming, meanwhile, I've got some big budget sci-fi to offer you, Bex, from uh, director Chris <laughs> McKay. Remember Chris McKay, who gave us uh, the Lego Batman movie a couple of years ago, right? I was just thinking of Adam Mackay, who gave us the big short, and my ears pricked different up. Mackay. Very different <laughs> Mackay. Yeah. I want to see his version of this movie, though, definitely. Okay. I, I would love to see Adam Mackay's version of The Tomorrow War, which was actually made for Paramount and then flogged to Amazon Prime. To be fair, I think the movie's pretty decent, but I absolutely still would have sold it to streaming because I don't think it quite would have made the money. It's, it's, it's an original, it's an entirely original sci-fi movie. Like, it's not based on anything. So, Chris Pratt stars as Chris Pratt. You know that character that only Chris Pratt seems to ever land in movies where he's part soldier, part scientist, part friendly with animals? Depending oh. on what I tell a lie. Dwayne Johnson did this in, in Rampage as well. You know that military animal scientist hybrid action man type that they all seem to... Seem to it's kind of doing that in Jurassic Park, isn't he? Well, that's what I mean, Jurassic Park, where he's like ex-military, yeah. but he's also like an ex-military dolphin trainer, you know, which apparently yeah. ports across to Velociraptors or something. Yeah, He's, he's also that. trying to be 28, and he's done all of that in his career. <laughs> exactly. But this time, he was that, and now he's a science teacher. 
So he's ex all of that turned science okay. teacher, like high school science teacher. And uh, people come f- from the future with a stern warning that, of course, leads him on to, on a mission for humanity. That's going to tie up the two dangling threads in his life, namely his relationship with his father and just what he's going to do with his life. What does it all mean? And he's going to discover these two things through the aid of this warning. We are you. 30 years in the future. It's okay, sweetie. We are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human. And we are losing. In 11 months' time, all human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the Earth. Unless you help us. That clip does not make me in any way interested in this. It sounds like something that's a bit amdram. Secondly... I'm the only, the only one that had any dialogue, to be fair, just, just, just to answer that. Go on. Okay, fine. But secondly, I would just say... Well, I'd ask you a question with sci-fi is, does it make me care? Because I think sci-fi can be really like wham, bam, in your face, kind of like, you know, big effects and stuff. But actually, if it doesn't make you care about the subject, there's no point to it. Does this make me care? Right. Um, let me put this in context for you. If think of how think of how Geostorm relates to the day after tomorrow. Okay. Think about how right. they contrast, yeah. and then that would be how this stacks up against Edge of Tomorrow. That's hmm. and believe me, it's trying for the same kind of thing. It's got that mechanized alien future war thing going on. It's got that out of his element, you know, in this case, it's one of the Chris's, you know, yeah. that sort of boilerplate lantern jawed American hero type. Uh, you know, it's one of those movies where you know, Chris Pratt has every skill imaginable, even though when you start to break it down, his only actual practical skill set seems to be can aim. Um, it's got a sort of disposable but vaguely recognisable from TV, you know, TV hottie sort of co-lead in Yvonne Strahovski. You've got the, the requisite cable comedian turning up. It's it's fine, but it is like diet edge of tomorrow. I mean, it's even got yeah. a tomorrow in the title. It's edge of the tomorrow war in this case. But, I mean, it literally <laughs> is. If you remove the time loop element from edge of tomorrow, that's what this movie is. It, 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 it's no more, no less. Because right. it's directed by uh, Chris McKay, who I, I didn't really think of as an action director, it manages to be quite surprising. Like, okay, there's some, some action pedigree here that I've not actually seen on the scene lately. Presumably because he's been putting it into animation through things like Lego Batman. Okay. Which is great. Yeah, Chris Pratt's exactly as likable as I think he's going to be. Fine. It's oh, it's got full buff J.K. Simmons, by the way. If you're a oh, fan of that, you know, of you course. know when J.K. Simmons just randomly goes full like hench granddad. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He got full hench granddad in this, so it's full buff J.K. Simmons. This is seriously Simmons. Okay. Right so, so, so really quick and easy to, mm. question to finish off. Do I watch this or do I go back and watch Edge of Tomorrow? This is on streaming. It's on Amazon Prime. Eh, why not just pick the new one? Just just watch it. It's fine. Out of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, watch it for something new at least. And you know what? It's got a couple of neat ideas in it. Like they've 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 played with their concept neatly enough. Because obviously there is a certain like Terminator version of time travel sort of brought into this where they can be like beamed into the future and brought back after like seven Mm. days Mm. Uh, they they do play neatly with the concept of how like the rules of it all work it does work quite well i think 
Okay. It's just it's just nothing particularly original or new, despite the fact that it is an original sci-fi property. So it's meh, but it's something, and it's free to stream on Amazon Prime. So you know what? You might as well give it a check out just just for being original. Welcome back to Off Screen. We're keeping you on your cinematic couch for a little bit longer. Um, we've got two more big releases that are hitting the cinemas this weekend. Um, starting with the winner of the Best International Film at the Oscars this year. It is Another Round starring Mads Mikkelsen. It's about four school teachers. Uh, it's a Danish movie about four school teachers who live um, a relatively mundane life. At least one of them is really starting to feel the pain of their mundane life. And so they decide to conduct an experiment to see if they could follow in the footsteps of the greats, such as Ernest Hemingway, and drink copious amounts of alcohol up until a certain point, i.e. 8pm at night, or and not at the weekends, to see if it will improve both their social and professional lives. And of course, as you can imagine, chaos ensues. <laughs> well, that's it. So this, I mean, it's an escalating uh, series of challenges. Also, I think you say you start when they start at like eight pm, and then not the weekends, and then as it goes on, it's like you know, mm. your blood alcohol level has to stay at a certain exact point, and then they double it and triple it. And it's uh, it's a facet, but all of that, which is sort of a novel gimmick. I mean, you the minute you hear this concept, you know that this is getting remade as a Hollywood film. With and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. It didn't take long once the Oscar run began for Leonardo DiCaprio to swoop in and be like, oh, I want to do this. I can totally sympathise with, you know, the alcoholic middle-aged man. You're like, really? Can you, Leo? Can you sympathise yeah. with can the you? alcoholic middle-aged school teacher? Can, can you, Leo? Okay. Put that to <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but I have to say, so this comes from uh, writer-director Thomas Vinterberg, and I'm a big fan. Thomas Vinterberg gave us The Hunt years ago mm, with uh, Matt yeah. Mickelson, and yes. uh, you mentioned that this had won uh, Best International Feature, and yet I still think it was robbed, robbed of another Oscar that it so richly deserved, and that was Best Original Song for What a Life by Scarlet Pleasure, which uh, comes from this movie and is, of course, just the perfect, mwah, chef's kiss, the perfect wine drunk anthem it really is like if you if you're gonna if you're gonna get drunk on white wine in the sunshine this summer i implore you to whack on scarlet pleasures what a life uh, it's on spotify and it is the theme song from another round it's even on the artwork i think another round um, right. i thought this was great i thought it mm. had really fun crossover appeal i know that you had uh, so, some you had some barriers i yeah. thought it was a sort of a really fun brotastic dramedy i mm. like in a way that transcended the gimmick the gimmick which as i say you know is going to turn up now as an american like english language film and yeah. of course we know is leo because he can relate so hard about Leo and Army Hammer and Miles Teller and people like that who can all relate to the middle-aged alcoholic school teachers so totally. and, all, um, and all but one that are problematic but this is the thing I think it does have crossover I think superbly shot I think it's so sharply written that I was moved by it I laughed my ass off at times I got into the revelry of it I thought the energy and the joy and the enthusiasm that it built um, and and all the misery that it heaped on you. I thought all of it was palpable and it really resonated with me. And it, 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 a lot of it hit me like an emotional sledgehammer. And 
it, it, it's just oh god it almost it almost sounds like it almost sounds like you can relate van <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean obviously i can't quite relate to the middle-aged alcoholic school teacher the middle-aged alcoholic <laughs> i suppose but uh <laughs> certainly not the school teacher but no I, I i thought this was a really well well executed film i thought it absolutely deserved that best it's that film that i knew would be nominated for best international feature because this kind of film always does and never actually wins like it always yeah. winds up going to your capernaum or something like that yeah and, I, and mads mickelson just so good in this but when is mads mickelson not the best thing on the screen at any point yeah he's quite he's heartbreaking in this in a way yeah, you really, really feel is. you really feel for him and it's his it's his quiet moments you know his sort yeah. of pondering and sort of there's a really heartbreaking moment where which i really felt for him whereas he goes in for a meeting with his school kids uh, and subsequently their parents as well and they're basically all ganging yeah. up on him and basically saying we're going to fail at the equivalent of our A-levels if you don't buck up your ideas um, which is just like turning the whole concept of school teacher and student on its head completely look I'm with you I think it's an incredibly accomplished film I, I think it's the worthy winner of the best international uh, Oscar um, Thomas Vinterberg's done a fantastic job um, I also think that he's done a fantastic job in midst tragedy because I believe that his, um, his daughter very sadly uh, passed away just before filming and and it kind of spurred him on to do more I'm pretty sure that was this film and not another director Um, but regardless of all that I I think the thing that I struggled with slightly which surprised you and actually surprised me because I don't Mm. normally have trouble with this is the subtitles I think in the slow moments right which of which there are quite a lot as we build up to this crescendo of chaos it's hard (laughs) It's hard. It's a very good way of describing the end of this one. Yeah, it is. Um, It is hard to kind of, with all these small conversations and talks and stuff that happen between it, it's hard to kind of focus on when you want to be watching the acting and then having to read what they're saying at the same time. I struggle with that a bit. And I think a lot of people that aren't used to foreign movies and it's not their usual tipple will struggle with that too. But overall, a fantastic movie. Don't get me wrong. I think I think really I think it's one of my favourite movies of the year. I mean, I don't know if we count it as being a film from last year or this year now. Or I think for I think we have to consider it a 2021 film now. So I'm I'm yeah. going to say it's one of my favourite movies of this year, definitely hands down. Even though I saw it last year, but yeah. In that this is the director, it was a, it was a, in the acceptance speech, and I'm pretty sure that it was Thomas Vinterberg who lost his daughter just before filming. Do you know what? I honestly don't know offhand. Ah, well, um, apologies I feel, I feel like if I I've got that known. wrong. I think this is, I think it is, but it was all in the speeches, but I could have got this slightly wrong. But just, yeah, just to caveat that, I do think it is Thomas Vinterberg. But... What we'll very different kind of kind of film to to round off our new releases for the week then. Although I will talk, talk about other ones uh, down the line, um, is Voyagers, which is the return of Limitless director Neil Berger, who I thought we'd, we'd kind of lost to TV in the last couple of years. He'd been like doing seasons of Billions, and which, which again kind of makes sense. It's a very sexy, cool mm. series. His Billions, and and the Divergent series. Remember the the sort of four because yes. he was the he was the guy that kicked off the Divergent series, and well. What was the one he did very recently as well? He did, um, oh, this is going to haunt me now. There was a film very recently he did that was quite good. The Upside, a couple of years ago. Which, again, a very classy looking film. But I think we remember that more for its content rather than its presentation and its feel. 
It is more about, we remember that more for being Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Anyway, he's back with what's effectively Lord of the Flies in space with <laughs> Voyagers. Do, do you want, do you want yes. to take us through Voyagers, Max? Well, yeah, do you know what? You've just described it perfectly. So it's about, it stars, loosely stars Colin Farrell, who has been kind of overseeing the the growth and I suppose the welfare of a group of children who essentially will be the future of existence for our planet because they're going to stick them on a spaceship and send them to another planet, which is going to be somewhere we've identified as inhabitable. However, it will take not just those kids, but three generations worth in terms of time in order to get there. So Colin Farrell decides I'm going to go with them and I'm going to mentor these children and get them across as far as they can go on this journey. However, not just not just mentor, not just mentor, but medicate. Mentor and medicate. I wasn't going to give too much away, man. Um, no, I feel like that's that's quite because that's the core concept. Because the core concept here is you've got all that setup, but then there's also the plot of equilibrium going on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Where, oh, oh! By the way, it, it, it's it's one of my favourite tropes. It's by the way, I'm magic. By yeah. the way, we have the equilibrium equilibrium drug, and that's why we're teenagers and we're not all horny. Yes, that is true. Until they stop taking the drug. Anyway, um, but um, and so what? Yeah, a lot of it is a lot of setup, and again, that affects the pace, but. Basically, at the end of the day, we're watching them as they kind of grow into adolescence and then early adulthood, and then something happens and things start to take a bit of a turn for the worse. We'll never know what they discover. That's true. Our lives are unimportant. Well, your life, my life is as important as anyone's. Hero or nurse. Let me show you something. supposed to let anyone see these that is my father and his parents my grandparents i never knew them but i know they lived an honest life you know, they took care of their family they provided for the future that's all any of us can do so this is one of those that I would describe as a century gothic or caps with extra kerning kind of sci-fi flick. And if you know what oh. that means, you know exactly what this movie is. Um, I, would, I, I, would have, I would have just described it as um, mutiny for horny teenagers. <laughs> kind of is that. On the other hand, it's got kind of a, there's, there's elements of Ender's Game in there as yeah, well. Yeah. And I say, and the fact that Neil Berger's directing it and he did Limitless is interesting because this seems to be another... Um, of a, another entry in the in the increasing increasing book of Neil Berger explores awakenings because you look at like Limitless, which is you know the awakening of the mind, Divergent, which is more like the awakening of the caste system, the breaking out of the society, and then this as well, which is about you know literally about sexual awakening and, and you know mm. pubescent awakening, but, and, and I think it's really good. I think what's going on with this film is a lot better than its cast because there are some porno bad performative moments in this. Like yeah. some truly awful performances. I mean, I don't know who in God's name told Lily Rose Depp that she had any potential as an actress because this is this is like what's-her-name in Valerian, Suicide Squad Girl, Cara Delevingne in Valerian bad. Do you think? She's a proper stinker. I mean, Ooh, not that I any of the cast are particularly any better. I can just about tolerate... Um, but put it this way. When Bran from Game of Thrones is turning out the best performance by a mile next to Colin mm. Farrell, 
when Colin Farrell and Bran from Game of Thrones are the only two half-decent performers in your movie, you've got a rotten cast. This is all dead-eyed, skinny jean haircuts and nothing more. Do you know and, what, oh though? Uh, on God, that po- on that point, I, I actually think you're being a bit harsh there. On that, I think they've been directed to be a bit like this, right? And I look, I don't think they're that bad. Ty Sheridan as as your kind of captain of the ship isn't too bad. It's it's kind of there's a repre- there's a suppression for each of them, and then like a we have no idea what real life is like. What the hell do we do? You're trying to be an adult. You're trying to be a you're under, but you're actually a kid, and you know you're understanding this awakening and stuff. I think it's quite a hard thing to navigate around. I'm not saying it's the the best performances, but I certainly don't think they're terrible. I think they're okay. I think they're middle of the road. But I mean, having said that, yeah. I, I think the film, though, is this is annoyingly the film is good. <laughs> That's the the concept's great. Yeah, the concept's great. I think there's a problem with the pacing. I think you're not in love with the cast. I don't mind the cast so much. I, don't, I certainly don't mind Lily Rose Depp in it. I think she's got to play that kind of passive, passive character. But I will say this: imagine, imagine if you will, Lord of the Flies yeah. taking place on the set of Passengers. Yes, I, no, and that's exactly that's what I thought I was going. Yeah, that's exactly what I what I expected from this. Hmm. I think that it's there's a combination of things that don't work, which make this overall kind of a mid level movie. But it had such potential; it just all the cogs didn't quite fit. Is probably yeah, how we yeah. describe I'll, it. I'll go with that. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's like <laughs> a three star. Yes. You know, six yeah. or seven out of ten kind of, for probably a seven out of ten. I will say this, though, I did have an observation, just to, just to wrap this up with some sort of randomness. Uh, I did have an observation as I was watching this, that Ty Sheridan almost, permanent, almost permanently uh, wears the facial expression of a man who has just watched a kitten eat an entire bag of mint-flavoured Oreos. He's got the same expression. If you check on IMDb, he wears the same expression in his profile picture there. <laughs> he basically doesn't change his face. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. What's going on? Hey, nothing going on but the rent. You know me. Oh, yeah, big time. So let's let's talk a bit, little bit about something that you've been researching this week, uh, which is teeth whitening. Yeah, so if, if like me, you're a bit overwhelmed by all the uh, the teeth whitening products on the market, our, our sponsor this week has provided me with some, some very interesting facts to, to pass along on to you. Uh, teeth whitening, for instance, does not whiten your teeth. It removes the stains and restores the tooth to its natural colour. Did you know that? I didn't know that, actually. Ooh. I just thought, I just figured it was like, you know, dyeing your teeth. Uh, natural colours apparently vary per person, but for most it's uh, sort of off-white with a, a slightly yellowish undertone, according to this this handy sheet that I've been sent through. Teeth whitening does not damage teeth, apparently, either, but it does temporarily dehydrate them. I didn't realise that. So apparently when teeth are dehydrated, the pores in the enamel are open and exposed. Tooth sensitivity apparently is the result of tooth dehydration hydration didn't know that either it's amazing actually the things i'm learning today and yeah. and veneers cannot be whitened because apparently they don't have pores for the stains on you know things that stain your teeth to, to latch onto oh, this is actually incredibly fascinating i feel like this would make a very good animated video actually <laughs> uh, the key to teeth whitening is the delivery device we're told here so as long as a whitening device uh, whitening product is uh, peroxide based it will remove the stains but what differentiates one product from the next apparently is the device that holds the whitening agent which is you know, your peroxide base bit to your tooth without interruption. So you've got like your know, whitening strips. I've used those. Yeah, I've used those. 
Yeah, mm. they, they kind of they don't really get into the, the nooks and crannies, do they? They kind of slip off. Yeah. And uh, then you've got the, the sort of standard tray ones, and you tend to get all like slaver in those. And yeah. And, and they kind of break the seal and all that. And uh, the LED apparently, apparently the LED lights, according to this, are nonsense. You need a high high output one, not like the ones you got on Amazon. So apparently those five five pound ones that we've all been getting off uh, Amazon and eBay all these years, rubbish. Apparently we need to throw them away. What? So. I know, I know. I'm mind blown too. I'm going to have a big box to chuck out the end of this. So apparently the number one whitening device recommended by dentists is the custom fitted tray. You know, the one that's perfectly molded specifically to your teeth. And mm. you can have your dentists, uh, you can have your own dentists to make them. Uh, apparently in the US, this can cost between three and $600. I know it's at least several hundred quid in the UK. Or yeah. instead of that, you can head over to our friends at smilebrilliant.com because why smile when you can smile brilliant? And use their lab direct mail-in process for a fraction of what your dentist would charge you and if you grind your teeth at night as well you can also uh purchase specially made specially made similarly uh custom fitted night guards again for a fraction of the cost of your dentist so head over to smilebrilliant.com and use use the voucher code off screen for an exclusive off-screen discount at uh, at smilebrilliant.com Welcome back off screen, and we're going to keep you on the couch, but this time we're going to drag that couch all the way back into your living room, which is a bit of a jaunt. I, I live pretty far from the cinema. I don't know about you. My, my nearest is like seven miles away. But you, you, you're like like central London. You're, you're I'm like seven minutes. Away. You're like a mile <laughs> yeah. away from your nearest multiplex. Yeah, I am. I am. But I, it, it is an Odeon where people do throw, you know, pre-pandemic, they will have thrown a shoe or some popcorn at you. So it's not the nicest experience, but... Yeah. There is a ritzy just up the road, so it's fine. Ah, I see. Well, so yeah. let's uh, have a look what we've got to watch at home for the next seven days. And I believe, and I'm annoyed that this is on, you know, like the 3rd of July, because if they'd nudged this a couple of days earlier, they could have hit this into, you know, Pride Month. Why don't you take us through our Saturday night offering that's perfect? Well, I'm also annoyed at the fact that it's on BBC Two at 11 p.m. because um, oh, that sh- it should be on much earlier. Uh, this is Pride, one of the best British films to come out in the last decade, which I, I have to say, I, yeah, it is just phenomenal. So it is the true story of UK gay activists who work to help miners during their lengthy strike of the National Union of Mine Workers in the st- in the summer of 1984. It's absolutely brilliant. It's got fantastic performances. And if you're up late enough at 11pm on a Saturday night, you definitely want to catch this one too. This is the first movie I ever remember seeing George Mackay in uh, 1917's George Mackay. And of course, um, you know, this is kind of his, his big breakout role. Uh, yeah. We've got a clip of him being, uh, you know, just taunted nicely as he gets on the group's bus as they sort of go off to uh, to help the miners in Wales for the first time. All aboard the Deviant's bus. No pushing, no community singing. Oh, and absolutely no back-chatting the driver. Right, where are we going? Wales. Someone better roll me a little spliffette. What I'd like to know is what Bromley sold his mum and dad. Yeah. I just... That's no big deal. Come on. I said that I was doing so well at college they were sending me on a residential course. Doing what? Shoe pastry. I don't know if I've ever 
ever told you this story, but I ran into George Mackay at one of Kermode's, uh, backstage one of Kermode's uh, things at the BFI, forgot his yeah. name entirely, and just oh, no. on the spot, I literally, I literally wrote, Bromley! <laughs> I just could not remember the man's name. I bet he loved it. I loved it. Yeah, this, um, if you know, if you love films like Brassed Off, if you love films like The Full Monty, you know, yeah. films like that, this has got that absolute look and feel to it. It's a very important moment in time as well. It will bring a tear to your eye at the end. Um, and it's, it's just such jolly good fun. So great British yeah. movie there. BBC Two, 11pm. Now, Moving on to Sunday on great movies at 9 p.m. Van. Oh, yeah. Money well, Monster. Money Monster. I, I quite like yeah. this one. I mean, we've covered it before, so we don't need to. I mean, in the next yeah. couple, actually, we can pretty much gloss over a bit. Um, but uh, I've just realised I never actually finished. There was a, a, an error with the website that gives us our listings. So we actually mm. have times for the last few films that we've got on. We know it's going to be in the PM, though, so we can ball. Yes. Uh, but so Sunday night on Great, uh, on great Movies at 9pm. Money Monster. Jodie Foster, director thriller with... Um, uh, George Clooney. George Clooney and uh, Julia Roberts. Yes. That's where I get confused because it's Jodie and Julia in this one. Jodie, Julia and George. That's why I get yes. involved on this every time. The triumvirate. Um, <laughs> hang on. No, no. It gets worse. It's, it's Jodie, Julia, George and Jack O'Connell as well. Yes. So there's a, there's a lot of Jidja in this. So Jidja <laughs> Money Monster is on Jidja Great Movies at uh, 9pm. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good hostage drama. I think Clooney's a lot yeah. better. Um, Julia Roberts gets some some good some great thrill, uh, thriller scene sequences as well. You know, doing the whole tense. You know, she's kind of the guy in the chair for a lot of this. And well, she's in the gallery, isn't she? She's yeah, in the she, gallery she, directing it, and she's sort of talking uh, you through it. So I feel it's a little bit of a we lose a little bit of like we want to see Julia out in the action, but she's not, mm. and it's fine. It works. But I think Jack O'Connell. It's a great performance from him. It's good, it's good for him. Yeah, it's a good role for Jack O'Connell. I'll give him that. And, I, and I'm not yeah. someone who heaps any praise on Jack O'Connell easily. So let's go on to we Monday know. night then. Uh, <laughs> we know this is on at 20 past 10 on ITV4 on Monday night. It's one of my favourite actioners of the late 90s, written by J.J. Abrams, would you believe? It's wow, Michael I didn't realise yeah, that. Michael Bay directed Armageddon. How much do you love Armageddon, Bex? I've, I, lo- I love it, but I feel like that's just aged J.J. Abrams. Like, it makes me think <laughs> that he's like 60 or something now because, uh, you know, I was like a kid when this came out. Um, I love it. This is... This is the time of when a blockbuster really hit. You know, like when Independence Day was yeah. the blockbuster. Everyone was like, oh, my God, i got to go to the cinema to watch this. You felt like this about Armageddon. That's, that's the death of the monoculture, though, isn't it, now? It's yeah. Because we don't... It, it's like we have so many more TV channels, so many more shows. So much so more choice. Ones. It's hard to get everyone to focus on the same thing at once. So, of course, it just feels like a different time when, you know, Armageddon was the biggest thing in the world and everybody had to see it. It's Titanic yeah. with an asteroid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, you've got your love story with Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck. You've got your dad and Bruce Willis. What's not to love in this? It's just brilliant. So we don't need to stick on this for too long because everyone that we know is listening will have seen this and we'll just want to go and see it again, won't you? And I just, <laughs> you know, the, the memory of drunk Ben Affleck on that commentary track just comes back every time. Again, if you've never heard the Armageddon commentary with Ben Affleck, in which he is quite clearly inebriated I think he has admitted it in time since and he just runs his mouth about how dumb all the constituent elements of Armageddon are and what what work, working with Michael Bay is really like you've got to check it out it's hilarious the, the best yeah. parts are on YouTube admittedly 
But uh, on then to Tuesday nights, and uh, oh yes, another great '90s action. I think this one is from. Is this the year or two years before? Um, oh, good question. I think Armageddon's '98. When is Con Air? I think The Rock is '96. I feel like Con Air is '97. That feels uh, like some of '97. Yeah, the good, maybe. The Fed and the Ugly. It is '97. It is '97 yeah, indeed. You're right. The Good, the Fed and the Ugly. I think was the marketing campaign for this one. This is on 10 p.m. ITV4, so in the same slot as Armageddon on Tuesday night. It is, of course, the timeless tale, almost Dirty Dozen esque. The I love the the assembly of cast for this one because it's huge. This is the assembly of a cast that includes Nicolas Cage, Steve Buscemi, McKelty Williamson, Danny Trejo, John Malkovich, Ving Rhames, Steve Buscemi, Dave Chappelle, John Cusack, Colm Meany, Rachel Ticketon. That's just off the top of to- my head. I was just going to say, I'm really impressed that that was just off the top of your head. That was just, that's all I can come up with off the top of my head. And I'm sure MC Ganey was in there as well. I know I that. saw you just replaying Con Air in your, in your head just then yeah. as you were doing that. You were like, oh, that scene, that scene, that scene has got this. Oh my God, I forgot Nick Chinland as well. Anyway, <laughs> you, I've got them all. I've got them all down. I could probably read them off. Anyway, um, it is, of course, you know, the, 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 the transport plane full of convicts that gets hijacked by the convicts. Here's the United States Parole Commission that... Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Put the bunny back in the box. I knew you was a punk, and I was right. You were playing us all along. You a free man. I said, put the bunny back in the box that just turned into the most unlikely of action franchise classics that didn't it the uh, put the yeah. back in the box moment so, anyway so let's move on then to wednesday night it's the untouchables on itv yes you can safely say this will be around 10 p.m uh so untouchables a classic isn't it as well yeah absolutely 10 years earlier in fact from, from uh conair so this is 1987 um and again impressive cast although not as many cast members to name as what you you just reeled off but we've got kevin costner sean connery robert de niro andy garcia to name but a few in this and it's the brian de palma movie that is um all about the prohibition era of the united states where we've got federal agent elliot ness who is out to stop the ruthless Al Capone um, and all of his corruption. So he assembles like a hand-picked team to go and do that. It's brilliant. It's great. It's a classic, yeah. There's a real, uh, the, the selection that we picked for you this week is is a full of classics. So Conair, Armageddon, like it's something to suit. Again, we always try and pick something that's going to suit everyone. But this is one that I think, you know, you may have missed it about 20 years ago when this came out. And I definitely encourage you to watch it again. It's one of those movies that you can sit down. It doesn't feel dated. Obviously, everyone looks a hell of a lot younger. But, you know, with uh, digital kind of re... What is it? What's what's the word where they make you young? De-aging, yeah. Where digital de-aging, you kind of think, oh, have they just done that again? But it, it is so great. Robert De Niro is Al Capone. Amazing. So give that one a watch on ITV4 as well. It's a perfect Wednesday night treat for you. So Thursday... Another great Nicolas Cage movie, actually. Um, also, I know we've with... got three Bruckheimer movies and two Nicolas Cages this week. Well, uh, you know, no, sorry, it could sorry, happen three, to you, three, couldn't three, it? Three, three Bruckheimer movies, three Nicolas and three Nicolas Cages, and they don't all overlap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, it's good. Um, but this is um, It Could Happen to You, which is out, uh, which, which is from 1994. I do like time checking these because this is kind of a heyday for, for Nicolas Cage, isn't it? The 90s. It just really is well, when it all kind you of. You know, this was ages ago because Bridget Fonda's in it. And Bridget Fonda's never in movies anymore. Bridget Fonda, I think, just I seems, to, uh, seems to have retired, I think. Oh, I think it's was, such a shame. A... She's brilliant. I think there was a declaration or like a decade or something ago that she had stepped back from acting. But yeah, she she is very much a signature piece of the, 90, of the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. And it's all based around, basically, if a police officer sort of tries to chat up a waitress and he just basically says, uh, instead of giving her a tip, he goes, look, I've got this lottery ticket. If I win it, I'll split it with you. And, yeah. you know, and if, what do you think happens? Of course he wins the lottery and, and of course... That kind of causes all sorts of problems. But it's a brilliant movie. And it's nice to see a softer side of Nicolas Cage where he's not playing some maniac. <laughs> he's actually just like, he can do the kind of romantic lead as well, which is what I really love about this. He can, but he can also be a maniac, as he is yes. on Friday night on Five Star in The Rock, which yeah. I, 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 adore, I adore The Rock. The Rock is one of my yeah. favourite actioners ever, full stop. I am going to subject my dear lady to this movie for the very first time this weekend and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing the experience but I love watching The Rock with someone for the first time and gauging their reactions and it, it is a stone cold classic um, it is the movie in which Ed Harris leads a band of rogue marines to take over the island of Alcatraz we're armed with a series of VX gas rockets that he basically holds San Francisco hostage with forcing the FBI to turn to a chemical weapons expert with next to no field experience played by Nicolas Cage and a long a long forgotten incarcerated British spy played by Sean Connery who it's thinly guised is meant to be James Bond, incidentally, mm. this, um, who also happens to be the only man who's ever broken out of Alcatraz, and they are sent with a SEAL team to break into Alcatraz. Do they bother to tell you who I am, why I'm doing this, or are they just using you like they do everybody else? All I know is you were big in Vietnam. I saw the highlights on television. And you wouldn't have any idea what it means to lead some of the finest men on God's earth into battle and then see their memory betrayed by their own government i don't quite see how you cherish the memory of the dead by killing another million and uh, this is not combat it's an act of lunacy general sir personally i think you're a f- idiot it's a great friday night movie isn't it the rock it um yeah, you got you got such a good pick this week, guys. So, look, something there is gonna definitely tickle your fancy. And I think for me, I kind of want to watch it. Could happen to you, and then the Untouchables as well. That's my big kind of duo of the week to watch. What about you? You made me want to watch Untouchables again. No, yeah, you, you made yeah. me want to watch it again, definitely. But I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching The Rock because I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to showing that to Mary. Seeing how it goes down, I, I, I adore The Rock so much. It's so good. It's so, so good. Well, listen, guys, what pick, do you take say your we pick. The chit chat a hole. I love that movie. It's so good. It's so good. Right. Okay, guys, we'll be back very shortly with more movies for you on DVD, Blu-ray, and of course, streaming.
Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're keeping you at home on your couch, if that's your wishes. And we're t giving you your DVD, your Blu-ray and your streaming options. And we're going to kick off with, well, literally a kicking film, which is Mortal Kombat. Um, oh, sorry, I just chuckled at myself there. Um, I quite liked Mortal Kombat. Um, we are talking about the newer one, right? Yeah, yeah, the new one. That, you know, we only reviewed it. I'm sure about six weeks ago, maybe something yeah. like that. This is the uh, the sort. Of this is the 2021 iteration. You know, in the same way that the video games like Mortal Kombat 2021 or Mortal Kombat 11 or whatever they are now. Um, this is the same for you know the same equivalent for cinema. Simon McQuoid uh, directing, and he does a, a pretty good job, I'd say, offering up a, a decently lean, you know, combat-driven actioner. It doesn't actually feature the Mortal Kombat tournament, despite being called, you know, Mortal Kombat. But other than that, it's a pretty. It's a. It's, it's a setup film. It's a setup film. They're wanting the franchise to build and grow. That's why you don't see the tournament in it. I quite liked it. Like, I, I, I was a Street Fighter girl, I have to say. So I'm not I mean, as au fait. I was, I was yeah, so I wasn't as au fait with all the characters from Mortal Kombat, but I enjoyed watching this. It's an easy watch. Um, what? Who was that? There was, there, was a, there was an idiot writer for one of the sites. It might have been Collider or something like that. When the trailer came out for Mortal Kombat, she went absolutely to town on them in this article. Um, for being like sexist and for excluding Chun Li, for being oh, you're, you're anti-Asian and anti-woman, because they had excluded Chun Li, and it was the most incredible rant. And you just have to get, um, um, babe, you might want to sit down. Yeah, yeah, sit, sit down, sit babe. down, Come and on. shut up. Come yeah, we'll, we'll get, yeah, yeah. I think we, we might need to get you. Let's get, let's get you a cuppa. Let's get you a cuppa and have a chill, eh? Yes, yeah. I'm amazed that an editor didn't sort of. I'm amazed that an editor didn't kind of pick up on that and be like, mm, "Wrong game." <laughs> They've added a correction. I'm sort of thinking I just would have pulled the article personally, but you I can genuinely find you you Google it. It's, it's just fun. But anyway, funny. Mortal Kombat I thought was perfectly good and certainly yep. a damn sight better than the other film hitting DVD and Blu-ray. This week. Should, we Which... a, should we have a listen before we? Yeah, go on, go on. It? Let's have a listen to the sexual sensual bubbling ferocity that is wild mountain time so how many acres do you have exactly i don't know how does nobody know how many acres they have we're not a direct people you know you want to be a farmer then yeah no you don't you want to own a farm it's not the same you could be a farmer wake up you're no farmer don't be bloody farce Maybe you've been a farmer too long. How's that? You've been talking to Cleary. What did he say? Something about you and a donkey. I... I'm going to kill that man one day. The world will thank me for it. Hot. I don't care how hot you are, Jamie Dornan. I just don't care. Um... <laughs> I just said to you off air when I said I saw it on the list and I went, I switched this off. I couldn't bear it. It was so bad. Who cares? Firstly, Jamie Dornan and Emily Blunt, they don't care. They, they've they've kept quiet about this movie as much as possible to try and not promote it. Uh, Christopher Walken is in this, Oh, yes. He? Christopher Walken doing that Irish accent. Oh. Awful. Oh, super, wow. Super, oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, wow. I just can't. I just wow. Yeah, I can't. I can't even. Let I can't even find the words for this movie. Yeah, it's so bad. Right. Sh- sh- shall I? Shall I actually provide you with some basic amusement at the cost yes. of this, at the expense of this movie? Right. It is written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, the uh, Oscar-winning playwright and screenwriter. Uh, here are other works written by John Patrick Shanley, the man who I will remind you wrote Wild Mountain Time. Okay. <laughs> he also wrote. Moonstruck, The January Man, Joe versus the Volcano, Alive, Congo, Doubt, Bloody Doubt. He wrote Doubt. Imagine writing Doubt and then churning out this, which is not a wild mountain time at all. I, oh, no. I, anything, it's a panty raising time, is what I, it is. It's a terrible time. I feel like someone sabotaged him. Like, is someone coming? <laughs> Like got on his typewriter. God, I'm going to write this terrible movie and put it under your name. Isn't it awful? (laughs) Can we move on? Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, it's the kind of film that I can only imagine would appeal to, like, the kind of person who actively seeks out some of that next-at-home live-laugh-love garbage oh my god you know what i mean like that it's a, it's like that as a i don't movie. even think it i don't even think it's appealed to those people i don't know any you know like when you hear those new, it was like um when simon Pegg's like run fat boy run like took like a pound at the cinema so i feel like that's what's happened to this uh, <laughs> no that would that would make this remarkable in in, in some way it is yeah not, it is not remarkable okay. anyway uh just we got some movies to talk about on, on streaming this week yeah thank god than, uh, <laughs> Wild Mountain Time, thankfully. Um, including on Monday, Netflix is getting Midsummer. I know you're a fan of Midsummer. Yes. You had an adventure with this one, didn't you? With your BBC uh, stuff, oh, I recall. Oh, I didn't have the adventure. They did. So I reviewed Midsummer and gave it mm. such a good review to give myself a bit of credit that um, on the same, it came out the same week in cinemas as a Toy Story movie came out. So my oh, team was, it was at Toy the- Story Four, wasn't it? Toy Story Four, right? So my team yeah. were like. They were like, oh, we're going to go to the cinema later. And for, for all I knew, they were going to go and watch Toy Story. But on the back, off the back of my review of Midsummer, they decided, and obviously I can't give too much away about Midsummer, but they, they decided to do a 180 and go and watch Midsummer after the show. And I had gone off to do some telework elsewhere. And I was wearing one of those Apple watches at the time. And as I was on air, it just kept beeping. And I glanced down and all I could see was text messages coming through from my BBC team going, what have you made us watch? Why have you done this to us? Yeah. And, they just, and I just said, what are you on about? You went and watched Toy Story. And I just got voicemails going oh no oh no we went to watch midsummer and guys do you know what i'm so proud of that moment <laughs> i I'm, love I'm gonna it i'm going to be interested i'm going to be very interested to see what he follows up midsummer mm. obviously that, that 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 third film is on the way from Ariast. i'm not sure if it's his third ever but you know because we go with hereditary as being his sort of yes breakout one and midsummer i'm not sure if hereditary is his first ever or anything but uh, i'm interested to see what comes of it and you know, Netflix from Monday, absolutely worth checking out. I think Midsummer is a modern masterpiece. I think it's How, the new Wicker Man. Yeah, doing a horror movie in broad daylight takes balls, and that's what this has got. Or Nicholas Rogue. 
But yeah. uh, anyway, also on streaming from Wednesday the seventh on Netflix is well, this one turned out to be uh, to, turned out to be quite a player when it came to the Academy Awards that year, didn't it? Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood, finally out on stream. Should we have a should we have a listen to this? Is obviously mm. Tarantino's big nineteen sixty nine Hollywood, uh, you know, love letter. Let's have a listen to. I think this is uh, Leo and Kurt Russell in, in, a, in a dispute over the, over the presence of Brad Pitt. You know, I, I, I got to look after my dudes. Hey, hey and, and if your dudes were a better match for me, I'd say, oh, okay, you got me. But, but, but that, that's not the case, and you know it. He, he's a great match for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no. Hey, you could do anything you want to him. Th- th- throw him off a building, right? Light him on fire. Hit him with a Lincoln, right? <laughs> Get creative. Do whatever you want. He's just he's happy for the opportunity. Rick? Yeah. I don't dig him. Oh, I really wanted to love this movie. And I just didn't. Do you know what? I'm such a Tarantino fan and I love the quirks and and all of the stuff that makes a Tarantino movie a Tarantino movie. And the only bit in this that really stood out to me was the dog food scene. Um, And and I was like, I felt really underwhelmed by this. But because it's got such an all-star cast, it's like, ugh, okay. You know, I understand why it did well at the Academy Awards. And I do think that Brad Pitt deserved the Oscar for this. But... It just doesn't set. It just doesn't hold the weight that it does. The other Tarantino movies do for me. It's a shame. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely on the opposite side. Actually, I normally I like the early Tarantino films, but, but beyond that, I, I've not really got an awful lot of time for particularly post Kill Bill Tarantino. Yeah, no, I'm with like, you. Yeah, I thought Hateful Eight was very good. Actually, now that I'm, I think about it, but um, this one I, I thought was great fun. I had a good time with this and had so many just great memorable moments. I really, I loved the energy and the atmosphere of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just so many quotable lines. But anyway, so you can you can stream this on uh, on Netflix from Wednesday and streaming is probably the best place for it because like The Irishman, on which this now shares a streaming platform, it lasts about four years. Yeah. So you may need to watch this one over the course Maybe that of the entire it. Sunday afternoon or something like that. Uh, speaking of streaming then, next Friday, we will obviously be reviewing this on the next episode, but we'll be reviewing it obviously as a new release, primarily because from Wednesday it's out in cinemas. Um, from Friday on Disney+, Plus, however, you can additionally stream on Premiere Access Marvel's Black Widow. Are you looking forward to this one, Bax? actually it's been a lot of hype my girl Florence Pugh is in this and she's getting a lot well deserved a lot of the hype for this but um you know for me who is not a Marvel fanatic I Mm. quite like Black Widow and I want I assume this is like an origin not an origin story but it's giving her the backstory that we we had already we'd already had her origin story given to us briefly in in Ultron. so it looks like this is going to be her sort of facing this is her returning home post Civil War while she's yeah. on the run after Civil War, returning home and dealing with what has become of the system that she thought was gone. You know, her back, yeah. she thought her, her backstory, the, the Black Widow program was gone. Apparently it's back in a new form and she takes it on with the aid of Florence Pugh, who's one of, I think, the additional Black Widows that sort of yeah. trained. And like Rachel like, Weiss is in this and David Harbour. Uh, yeah, and... I think Rachel Weiss is meant to be like one of the, the instructors or something like that. And David Harbour is like a Russian Captain America from the 70s, 80s or something like that. Yeah. But I will say as well, before we go, also on streaming, because this loops back into... Um, uh, Freaky, to an extent. You mentioned the opening in Freaky. Um, mm. Another slasher movie that's out, and this is out from today. 
there's part one of a trilogy of films. We'll talk about it when we when part three's out, when they've sent me the link for part three. Um, mm. And we can talk about them as a set. Trilogy of horror films called Fear Street, based on the novels by R.L. Stein. And this, the first one is Fear Street 1994. It's very Stranger Things. Even begins with a massacre sequence in a shopping mall with Maya Hawke. That's how on the nose they are about the Stranger right. Things connection. Uh, even got the cinematographer from Stranger Things doing... Is she wearing a sailor thing. outfit? <laughs> oh, no, what she's... She's wearing, like, a, a vertically... Uh, horizontally striped uh, black and white thing with combat boots. Close enough. Very close 19- enough. Whilst listening to Closer by Nine Inch Nails and being... Sure. Moved. Of course. Yeah. And, and, of course, there's, like, a VHS store, you know, and a record store and a book. You'll love it. You'll love it, Beck. Beck. Great. Um, Can't wait. Worth checking out, but there's going to be one a week for the next three weeks. We'll talk about them in more detail, though, when part three is out. Uh, next week is Fear Street 1978, and the week after that is the Trilogy Closer 9, uh, 1666. So all those to look out for are to come. So, yeah, we'll be back next week with some Marvel mayhem, meanwhile. For now, I've been Bex Perfect. And I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>